the sound of my voice <laughs> in my head is fan is amazing. <laughs> Hello, I am your host, Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Combinations and Permutations episode 33 from acmescience.com. On this end-of-semester podcast, we get together to discuss exams, what we like about them, what type of exams there are, but mostly what we hate about examinations. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to Combinations and Permutations, the mathematical podcast that comes to you from a secret location in the Las Vegas Valley area. I am your host, Lumberjack Samuel Hansen. Okay, that's a visual joke. Visual jokes don't work on this medium. I need, I need to remember that. Uh, I, got, I got three guests. I'm not, I'm not going to let this one go all out in a sense. Since the interrupter is not here, I don't have to deal with him interrupting me. I in was my told to cover for him. Fuck! <laughs> fuck! Fuck! God damn! <laughs> Damn it. And that voice you heard is going to be the first person that I introduce, and that is Short Stuff herself, the Queen of Tiny, the Baroness of Minuscule, the almost shortest person in this room <laughs> in comparison with her sex's average height, Leanne Duncan. I'm more cunning than a fox who studies cunning at Oxford. That was the stupidest fucking thing anyone has ever said on this podcast. Ever. And now, just really, the guy who's shorter in comparison with his sex's average height, the slicked back hair man who kind of wished that he had red hair so I could ask him for his pot of gold, oh. Brandon Metz. <laughs> Words can't express my hate for you. <laughs> and that's why we have him on here, boys and girls. That is why his amazing ability to put into words the thoughts in his head. And the man who should be wearing the red and black flannel that I am, the man who should be wearing the blue jeans that I have, but who still has and will always have the official lumberjack beard of combinations and permutations. The one, the only, the beardsman, Cody Palmer. Thank you. I'm truly honored that you would bestow upon me the title of official lumberjack beard of combination. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I think I'm, I'm actually going gonna, gonna to go a little bit even more abstract. I'm going to give you the official beard of combination. The official and beard. Wow. Yep. I think you need to post a picture. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I, 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 I probably should. Uh, probably should take a picture of, of Cody's beard because it's, it's absolutely amazing. Give him your shirt. No, I'm not. I'm not giving Cody my shirt. It would look better on him, anyways. He looks you know, more you like a what, lumberjack. You know what would look better on you? Five more inches. Oh. Yes, I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> okay, so, so uh, I don't know. I know that for two of us, uh, specifically Brandon and Cody, well, three of us, Brandon, Cody, and myself. I don't know about uh, for Leanne today. Uh, uh, we're not going to be releasing it that close to when we actually record this, but today was the date of our last final. 
Ooh. I don't know. Which, which, yes. your last, no, your last final was... Yesterday. Yesterday. So, I mean, you're still pretty close to finishing the exams. Uh, and d- no one really enjoys finals. I, d- no. I don't know a single person who enjoys finals. But, I mean, there is a certain argument in some areas that finals are a effective way of measuring uh, your ability in the subject. Now, I don't necessarily feel... Uh, that that is entirely true for mathematics. And so today's topic, in honor of us finishing our finals, are going to be exams. Specifically examinations in mathematics. Ooh. Hmm. This will be interesting. <clears throat> That's funny because I was totally thinking about that as I was uh, leaving, uh, leaving the class today. Um, just wondering about how, how well an exam, particularly in mathematics tests your knowledge of the subject material uh particularly when you have to do like proofs and stuff you know is it measuring your knowledge or is it measuring your creativity exactly i it's it's even more than that i mean especially in the classes in the class that we all finished uh, even though cody is an undergraduate he was a member of our 700 level uh, class that we took an exam in. And in a 700 level class, you learn so many theorems. You learn so much about the subject. This is true for the upper level, you know, three, 400 level math classes too, that in order to have an exam that would cover the material comprehensively, it would take, what, like 10 hours yeah. or so <laughs> for one class? That's what I'm used to from when I was an undergrad. We, had, we didn't have time limits. Oh, so <laughs> I have taken the six, seven hour exams. The co- notoriously, the complex exam at my college, the teacher actually bought dinner for the people who take it because it's that long and she made it that crazy. It was, I think, at least the year before me, the class who took it, it took them nine hours before the last person. So, and I remember taking a Calc 3 exam with the exact same professor and... That that was at least four hours. So at least that tested... And that wasn't even a final. That tested your comprehensive knowledge of the subject. Whereas most... I mean, we we're, we're have a two-hour time limit on finals here at uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And I just... I don't necessarily feel that it's that good. And plus, there's people who just don't do well in exams. Who, I mean, freeze up when they get a test put in front of them or, you know, do things more slowly. And which is not a bad thing. I mean, I'm, it's it's just a different way of dealing with it. And so I'm, it's just wondering if we can, you know, kind of go into the things specifically about exams that uh, we don't necessarily feel uh, is helpful. Well, I'd like to comment that waking up about seven minutes before the final <laughs> and getting there about That's your five own minutes damn, late. Well, it's that is not the school <clears throat> or the professor's fault. No, 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 no. I'm just saying it sucks a lot. Okay, so, but, like, I mean, problem with exams, one, we've already talked about, it can't really comprehensively test your knowledge, because if it does, then it takes seven hours, and the teacher has to buy you dinner. Uh, <laughs> it was good, though. But, and uh, we also <laughs> talked about whether it tests your, your knowledge or your creativity, uh, inability to find that. Can, uh, who said that? Is that me? Nick, Cody, Cody said it. Cody, okay, I can you go so. a little bit more into what you mean on that? Well, it's, it's like, I may, it was like on the exam we took today, I may have known the material that's written down in the book very well, but there was one of them, particularly the second problem, where I couldn't really come up with the, with the correct process to, even though I did know the material well, I couldn't come up with the correct process to, to affect a real proof of the, of, the, uh, of the question. So 
is that maybe I didn't know the material that well, or maybe I just didn't have the sort of creative inspiration that uh, I I didn't have the time to be creatively yeah, and inspired. See, with, with something like mathematics, it's and there's other areas uh, like biology or history where really, in at least until you get to the super high-level stuff, it is mostly memorization. Now, in math, there is definitely a memorization aspect. You have to know the theorems. You have to know the specific results. But when you get a problem put in front of you that you have not seen before, then it is not, it's no longer memorization. What happens if it's the type of problem where, if, in order for you to understand, I know that my brain works for some problems and doesn't work for others. The one that you're talking about, my brain came up with a quick and, I think, elegant solution to that problem. But that's just because I thought of it and my brain works in a different way. So, yeah, and we're, are we measuring the, I mean, the fleet-footedness of neurons? Mm -hmm. Are we in a <laughs> cognitive psychology class? No, we're in a mathematics class. I agree. And some teachers in particular really like to throw something at you that you've definitely never seen before. <laughs> and that's and that's not <laughs> testing your knowledge of what the material learned. in the class. It's not testing your knowledge of what you learn. Yeah. It's testing your uh, synthesis, synthesis knowledge, which is technically what one of the things you're supposed to be able to do, especially in mathematics, is synthesize various results together to come up with a new result. But usually when you do that, you're doing research and you have this... Months? Yeah, months years. or and years. Generally and not resources. You have time. Time is yeah. your main resource, though. Yeah, also staying, stay, get, keeping you awake late at night. Yeah. <laughs> That's, and I've had some of my best ideas right before I go to sleep. And oh, so... Yes. Laying in bed, yeah. thinking about it, and all of a sudden, shit. All of a sudden, just get up, write it down, go back to sleep. Yep. I've had that happen to me a bunch of times. That and, I've um, had more awkward things even than that happen to me. It, it's not a podcast story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we shall hear later. <laughs> Anyone who wants to know the story can email me at samuel at acmescience.com. <laughs> what you're saying about test anxiety, though, is very real. Um, oh, I know. For Calculus 2, I had... Uh, a professor whom you all probably know. I don't know if I'm allowed to say specific names. Uh, it doesn't disparage the professor. No. Does it say bad thing? No. Then you then you can use. It's okay. Just, no. I mean, I not, thought he was I fantastic. Mean, okay, Dr. Yeah. Maleshkov. Oh, I love. Yeah, I no, love he's, on hell. He's brilliant. He's. Brilliant. <laughs> That's right. I refer to him by his first name. Yes. Hey, yes, Mr. Yes. Maleshkov. How you doing? He's he's amazing, but he's difficult. And in and calc scares two, the crap out of you. Yeah. And in calc two, his methods for solving things have nothing to do with anyone else's <laughs> methods for solving things. But they are five steps less and 20 times as fast. Yes, but you have to remember how to do them. And you can't consult the book after class. You can't consult anything other than him. So we would have a quiz every Thursday. Work? And that was fine, except that once things started getting a little confusing for me, I would freeze up. And it wasn't, it wasn't a case where he was throwing something at me I shouldn't have been able to do. But I was just freezing up. It was one problem, quiz, every week. And I would compulsively throw up every Thursday morning. And it continued until the end of the semester. And uh, you still do it now, just out of fond memories, right? Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> that's that's, that's the, the sound we all hear in the department. Uh, <laughs> Thursday mornings before you start tutoring, right? Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, had a, I had a similar thing that just happened to me. I just was finishing up my probability test, or my probability exam was uh, 
this past Tuesday, a couple days ago now. And uh, I was, I mean, I, I didn't fully understand the material anyway. I, I'll, I'll fully admit that. That's not something I'm going to have any problem admitting. It's, it's not an area I'm very sound in. But I wasn't, I wasn't horrible. My grades on homeworks were mostly like high Bs or As on all of them. And then I got handed this exam uh, at 2.30 on Tuesday afternoon. I looked through, and I did not know how to solve a single problem on the entire thing. I've been there. Yeah, it, literally. And I, I handed in an exam where I did not fully, completely solve a single problem on it. I left one of them just completely blank. But then I found out later that no one knew how to do that one, and no one <laughs> even tried to solve it. Oh. And so, I mean, that's that's one thing. That was one thing that really struck me as odd. I'm like, I, I'm not that bad at this material. I knew almost every single major result. I had memorized almost every single major result. But then when she gave us a bunch of questions that were not at all like what was on the homework... I was not able to apply those results. So I mean, there, there is that certain difference when you're in these upper-level math courses. You can know all the results but not really have a grasp on how to use them outside of the ways that you have. And so how are you supposed to test that? Because you're supposed to know both. You're supposed to know the results and know how to apply them. But is it necessarily that bad when you're at a 700-level class and the person understands the results, understands the proofs of the results, but isn't necessarily able to, you know, synthesize them into new results if they're not doing research in that area is that such a big deal what i want to say about if they're testing you can know all the material all the proofs everything understand it all and the fact that they give you something that you've never seen before or can't actually do even though you know everything that it doesn't really test at all because that comes with using these you know ideas it comes with time. You have to do things like this over and over and over again. But if you've done all kinds of things and you know it and they just show it to you once, you can't be expected to get it like that within a two-hour period necessarily. But, but you are expected to. Well, that's yeah. the thing. It's, it's, a bad expect, it's a poor expectation. 700-level classes yeah. are even worse. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, same they, thing they all the, do it. Yeah, in the class that we were all in, uh, like even the homeworks were nearly impossible to do sometimes because we had never seen anything like them. And, and so, I mean, that kind of brings, brings, brings us to a, a major issue on, I mean, this entire thing just in classes. So I don't necessarily feel that large examinations, uh, unless they're just asking you, like, give me the proof of this theorem that we did in class, I don't necessarily feel that they're completely fair. And I definitely don't feel that they're a good measure on someone's capability in mathematics for mm -hmm. various different reasons. But I just complained about the same issue with homework. But with homework, you get more time. You can ask other people. <coughs> And so really, how are you supposed to grade? How are you supposed to see whether or not someone understands it enough that they should be able to go on to the next class? See, it, when you're, these long examinations, they don't really, you're right, they don't. I totally agree with you about the fact that they don't no, no, test I, your ability. I, I feel that homeworks are, homework is a much. Homework is much better. Much better way of doing it. But the thing is, math is all about time. It's the more you see this stuff, the more and more. It, it's all about how much time you put into it. There's many things in mathematics that go unsolved for centuries. Does that mean those people were bad at math? No, <laughs> it just means some of the stuff is, ha, it, the way of approaching it hasn't been found yet. And so you may get stuck like me. For example, on certain, on certain problems, I'll get stuck on one way, and I can't get off of it right away. Like I know it's this way isn't going to get me the right solution, but I can't get off that train of thought. It's just... Because the more I try to, the more I keep coming back to that thought. I need some time to step back, 
do something else, and then come back with a different approach. Walk around, smash your head into a wall a couple of times. Yeah, and- lay well, in your bed, and when you're about to fall asleep, figure. I mean, it's it's that subconscious mulling it over that helps that a lot of solutions come about. Actually, I've that many times have I solved something just be like I walked away, and then all of a sudden, oh wow, yeah, I finally get it. I mean, I've I've, I've mostly only had that with uh, my research because I don't spend that much time thinking about the other classes. And that's another thing. If if the class you're taking has nothing to do with the research that you're doing, it's really hard to care. And that, that's another issue with, with examinations, especially, uh, I'm not a PhD student, I'm a master's student right now, but if you're a PhD student, you need to know all this crap for quals, for your qualifications. And I, I think that qualification exams are one of the most ridiculous uh, pieces of uh, graduate level degrees. Well, you know, I think that I think that we have there is kind of a catch twenty two here because if if we got an instructor that said, okay, yeah, I'm going to do away with in class testing because that's not an effective measure, then really they're either relegated to not testing at all, which does not they have no way if they don't test at all, they have no way of measuring your preparedness to move on. Homework. Well, now homework and take home tests they all have an assumed honesty. Well, so now home tests do homework. <laughs> Homework, I don't feel, has much of an assumed honesty. Right. So, I mean, so I think that if you're, if you're looking at it from the instructor's perspective to say, okay, I have a choice between looking at the homework or a take-home test and saying, okay, they may have gone and gotten help from somebody or, you know, whatever. Well, but when it comes down to it, what you do when was life? the last time you read a mathematical paper that didn't have two authors? It's collaboration has been going on for collaboration in mathematics has been going on millennia forever. Well, it's always and you're it's never, always someone writing to someone else on the inside of the world and they collaborate and they come up with these huge results. So what is the big deal about collaborating in classes? Right. Well, and and so well, I think that you, you look at uh, I think it's like a worst case scenario where you have somebody who is uh, really good, you know, going over it with somebody who's really bad. And then, you know, that the person who's doing really bad benefits while they may not be contributing. So yeah, much. exactly. And I think that I'm not saying that that happens all the time. <laughs> Certainly when I come out of homework or a or a take home, I try to do as much of it by myself yeah. as, as I can. But I think when you look at it from the instructor's perspective, they're kind of picking the lesser of two evils. I, uh, maybe well, maybe they point, feel like an in-class exam is a better measure of the, their preparedness than a take-home or homework when they're both probably poor measures to begin with. Well, this might be interesting. I mean, what about, what if, this, this is another thing that may be, for mathematics at least, what if they gave you a problem in class that, you had, it, that deals with the material from the class at the beginning of the semester? Each person gets a different problem, and then they ask you, by the end of the semester, solve, I mean, nothing super, super hard, but something that would require you to pay attention in class and then actually solve your problem for the end of class. So, for, so, for essentially, so essentially, take home, uh, it's essentially a take-home examination, but everybody has a different problem. Like, Therefore, so there's no cheating or anything or, I mean, copying I mean, or anything. But you can ask someone, someone else, something else, but that's totally fine because you're, I mean, in, in your entire life, you're always at least going to be able to go right. to somebody else's office or no send something No one's going to solve email. your problem for you. Yeah, no nobody's going to just solve the, well... Some people are insane. I know <laughs> some people who might, but I, I know a couple the members won't. of the uh, or a couple of former guests on this podcast that would be more than <coughs> willing too. to do that. Uh, but yeah, no, and yeah, I actually I I enjoy that idea, and still homeworks and things throughout the throughout the semester. 
Like, I mean, but that's the final thing. Like, that's your final exam. You get it, but you showed it in the beginning of class. Right. I mean, you may just, you could have been, stu- you could have been, you could have focused on one, th- on a whole bunch of stuff. Even, you know, you could have been told it's going to be on this amount of stuff, but, and you studied that. And then you realized that nothing on the exam was anything you studied. Yeah, actually. That happens that quite happens a bit often. All the time. And they always say it's on there, but it never is. Yeah. And so you're like, well, I, instead of studying See, comprehensively, one, I study this one section. Yeah, one, one thing that I actually do, do, one thing that I actually uh, do feel is something that professors should do, and it's something that I do for my students, is tell them the exact areas that are going to be on the exam. Yeah. There's no reason to force people to study a bunch of stuff that's not going to be on the exam. You don't have to tell them the exact problems. That's not necessary, but be like, okay, these are the areas that you should really focus on and make it a small amount so that the people can actually really study and try to understand those areas. And you pick the ones you feel are most important from the class. Yeah, I mean, pick the key points of the class. You don't have to know how to prove every dang lemma and corollary up to a certain No, because you can always look them up. Right. Right. I mean, the thing is, you shouldn't have to know all these things. I mean, yes, you should know them, but you shouldn't be... Focusing on them that much because yeah. they're they're minor results that that lead to bigger things. Continuous mapping theorem. How about that one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know Brandon and I are in a class right now, and um, we're you're done. Oh yeah, we're done. <laughs> anyway, uh, and on one of the exams, there was a really hard problem, and it was a proof. None of us came up with it in time. It was even a take home exam, and none of us, well, most of us didn't come up with it in time. And then the professor was going over the exam, and he couldn't come up with it. So he used methods that were not covered in the course to prove it. Yeah. He used calculus in an abstract algebra class to prove it. Yeah, it was a little weird. Yeah, so, and at which point, and he still that didn't quite question, get there. That he, question yes. should be thrown off the exam. It's just like, that shouldn't be... I mean, if he couldn't solve it using the methods of that course that we learned previously, and he has to pull out something from another field entirely, yeah. then that question is not suitable. Unless that field was a direct prerequisite for the class. No. No. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, this, this is what we're talking about. So I, I think uh, we're going to go on record and saying Brandon's solution is... Uh, Probably uh, to use a codyism, uh, the best of bad choices in the end as a whole. The, the, I, I wish that there was some way that we could read to, to <laughs> just read people's thoughts. Like, oh, they understand the material, they don't. There we go. Just a scanner. Yeah. Let's create a math scanner. Oh, man. That would be pretty cool. Like a functional MRI, except it's a functional math resonance, resonant <laughs> imager. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of a functional magnetic <laughs> resonance imager. Oh yeah, I mean, so let's. I, I don't think we're gonna get much more on that. So let's uh, shift gears a little bit to other examinations, uh, specifically standardized math tests. Like, uh, like the GRE. Yeah, I was, I was specifically say, gonna talk about the GRE. Standardized tests do not prove. They don't measure they don't prove anything. anything. They don't measure anything. All they measure is your ability to guess. That's all they are, because anytime you well, take a preparatory course for these things, they teach you how to make the, the best guess. That's true. I'm, they don't prepare you. They take. I, I'm sorry. Given my incredibly long run of incredibly high scores on the English section of standardized tests, mm-hmm. I do feel that I probably have a pretty good grammar of or a pretty good grasp of grammar <laughs> and <laughs> etymology. I, w- I mean, I'm not saying you- I'm not saying the high grade doesn't mean something. I'm yeah. saying it's not a proper method of testing. Yeah, but, and and low grades. I feel that high grades, like really high grades, 95th percentile and above, 
are usually a pretty good measure that the person understands the material. I was, but low grades are not a measure that they don't. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's one of those. Like, if you have a super high grade, you finish 99th percentile in the you know, math GRE, you're <laughs> probably one hell of a mathematician. I mean, it's a higher probability that you're a hell of a mathematician, or at least you know a shitload of math. You might not be a good mathematician, but you might be amazing at synthesizing and remembering information. Kind of a uh, photographic memory. Yeah. I know plenty of people like that. Uh, but some, I mean, you still have to solve problems. Uh, but if you get a low grade, I've taken the math GRE twice. I've never finished higher than the 17th percentile. Well, I'm not that bad of a mathematician. I mean, the thing is, they don't, if, you're, if you score high, you're usually pretty good. But if you score low, it doesn't mean that, you're, that you suck. Obviously, because you've completed a math degree, yeah. more than likely. Which is why you, this is it's a very is, poor it's, test of it's your ability. Just, and, and the math GRE, they're assuming that everyone is taught exactly the same thing. And they are definitely not. No, I'm not. 100%. Professors no way. take so many liberties with their curriculum. The, the, first time, the first time I took the math GRE, the first time, the entire test was essentially abstract algebra and analysis. That, that's all it was. Abstract algebra analysis, a few number, or a few uh, linear algebra and number theory things. My score on the linear algebra part of it was 100%. I got every single one right, all the rest of them I got wrong, essentially. The second time I took it, uh, and I hadn't had abstract or analysis by that point. Second time I took it, I had already done a semester of analysis and a semester of abstract algebra. So I'm like, I should be a lot better for this one. I took it. It was all complex analysis, which I had never taken, and Calc 3, which I hadn't done That's in two years, <coughs> and no linear algebra to at least bump my grades somewhat. Because they, they don't take into account that you might not have had certain courses at that time. Or that you might not have been required to take a complex analysis course. I was never required to take a complex analysis course. It was given every once every two years for the undergraduate one at my university. I couldn't get into it. when it, The only time it was offered that I could have taken, I didn't have the prereqs, and then it wouldn't be offered again until after I graduated. Like, this, this is insane. Why... Why are you doing this? I, I need to get into a good university for my, you know, master's degree, but look, I'm left out of a lot of them because I have such an abysmal score. They look at those things and they look at those as a huge factor of getting into graduate programs because the fact anyone who's going, who's applying to a graduate program, they're all going to have super high GPAs anyways. That is true. So that's my what, math GPA was a four point oh. So I mean, like they're looking at these, and how do you distinguish these people apart? But yeah. you can't. You but they put I think a little bit too much emphasis on these GRE scores. Then you look at there needs to be a lot more. I mean, uh, the personal statements they do a great job, but even then, if you don't write if you don't write the right thing, they totally throw it away. Yeah, I I I really went light on my personal statement. I should have done a lot better job, and I and I didn't. I did almost nothing for my personal statement. It was like a paragraph long, and and. The thing is, for me, I mean, I've studied math at this point. I've, I've, been, in, I've been studying math directly for five and a half years now. Uh, except, and I was always accelerating math all throughout high school. And I've always been pretty good at it. Uh, when I took the ACT, which is the Midwestern version of the SAT, yeah, essentially. Yeah, we have to take it here. Yeah. Okay, you do the ACT there, too? Yeah. SAT. Yeah, SAT. We do both. Mm, I did yeah. SAT. SAT, yeah. It, SAT. I mean, it's, they're essentially equivalent exams. Uh, when I took it, it's out of 35 or 36 points for each section. My English scores on the two English tests were 35. My math score was a 19. I can't do standardized math tests. 
agree. <laughs> like I'm, I'm incapable of doing them well. And so why is that a good measure? It's not. It's a horrible fucking measure. Well, then what is? What, what would you suggest as a solution for these people? Because they do have to distinguish between lots of people who look very good on their resumes, who probably write really nice personal statements. What can they do? Uh, my, my main... The main thing that I would suggest to the people on uh, entrance committees, you know, uh, application committees, whatever the hell they're called, uh, really, really pay attention to the recommendation letters and call those professors. I agree. Talk to them. Those people know those the, the applicants way better than any test can show you. Because, you know, what if you go at, what if you were deathly ill that day you took the exam? You were, and it's expensive. Well, would it be doing well? That's it's true. expensive. That's you expensive. might be taking it your last year. You might not have a chance to take a second one. I mean, you, the recommendation letters are a huge part. And if, a, if you were a good student and you were persistent and you have creativity and you are able to complete things well enough in college, then... It should be a huge factor from them. Or that's the true. universities themselves could put together entrance tests, too. I don't necessarily think that that's a great idea, but I still think that it would be better for the GRA because certain universities are expecting certain things from the incoming students. Yeah, and so you test, you test for whether or not they have knowledge in those things. Right, and then people wouldn't be so restricted. I mean, it would just be like, you're not compatible with our university. Exactly, because you know that, say, MIT would be looking for... You know, people who have pretty good grounding in a lot of the discrete and computation or discrete or computational or logic based stuff. Whereas, uh, you know, a place like, I don't know, what's a really big analysis school these days? I don't know, maybe like Stanford. Stanford does a lot of applied math where they expect you to come into Stanford, uh, you know, being really good with differential equations or modeling of systems and things like that. And I think that that would be a lot better because each university is a lot better and it wants students in certain areas. So have them distinguish in that way. Yeah, yeah I like that. Uh, well, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've looked around because I'm looking at schools to apply to. Yeah. And the, uh, a lot of places, and like they won't give you a firm, a firm statement on what they, the, their GRE, GRE math subject scores, they won't give you like, no, oh, we won't accept anybody not, below it. They're not. But they all have, a lot of them have a cutoff yeah, point. Yeah. They have a not, they have a, they have a non-published one. Right. It doesn't mean those, it, it's there, they just don't, they just don't tell you. Yeah, that. well, it's also so that if there are, you know, like one of the, like, math Olympiad people who just for some odd reason sucked it up on the GRE, <laughs> they can still take them. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, and I think that I think one school I was looking at, they were they were pretty upfront about it. They were like, "We're looking for people in the 70th percentile," Ugh. but but if you're lower and the rest of your records are exceptionally good, we might take you. Yeah, that means they won't. <laughs> no, no. I mean, there's there's still a chance, and if you have other things, now let's talk about another math examination. Uh, one that I actually happen to like a lot more. Uh, I never did it myself. Oh. Oh but I, it, it, just, it just went by. Oh, God. Oh, no. yes, I know I exactly want, what it is. No. Oh, love don't it. Don't you? No, I, I just want to talk about it as the idea of the examination okay, itself, not talk about go. the problems. But I, I'm, of course, referring to the Putnam. Yes, of course. the Putnam. Yeah. Uh, now, the Putnam uh, is useful in a few different ways. One, if you score bad on it, it has absolutely zero effect. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel too bad. Because yeah, over fifty so percent of people score zero. Yeah. Yeah, and so and but say you had a horrible GRE score, but you finished in the top, or you finished 
four problems on the Putnam, you can get into any graduate school that you want. Yes. Essentially. <laughs> and the, I mean, there's a good reason. I, I interviewed a guy who used to write for the Putnam, uh, Bruce Resnick. Not write for the, he used to write the problems for the Putnam. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and the way he talked about it, and I, I suggest going back, it was the second episode of Strongly Connected Components. Uh, one of the things and he was talking about when he was writing, it's like, yeah, we tried to f- come up with things that you didn't necessarily need to have a huge amount of math knowledge, but you needed to be able to see the problem correctly. And, but mm. as far as a test goes, I think that that's a much more useful one, one that literally states, if you do really well on this, you're good. If you don't, you're not bad. Yeah. No, it's really, it's really entertaining, despite myself, I'm, I'm going to say it is entertaining, even though it takes, it makes it a really long Saturday. But Nothing like getting up early on a, on a Saturday morning in December, going to the week classroom. before the finals. Week before finals. <laughs> I always loved it. I, I, I took it twice. <laughs> I'm glad they had that two hour break in the middle. Because oh, yeah. The lunchtime. And they yeah. back <laughs> I, the rest, I needed the other that half. lunch. I mean, do you guys find that it's more enjoyable to, I mean, because you've all taken it. I didn't have the chance to because when I was an undergraduate, my university didn't There's have no Putnam. pressure on you to do well. you like, no. it's yeah. for fun. So do you find that it's you're like, actually able to do better because of the lack of pressure than you would no. if, well, I mean, if you went into it knowing that your, uh, like your future math prospects really rely on you doing well I on this you test, do, you think you would do worse? I think I would do worse if I knew that this actually had a hu- a bigger weight yeah. on well, my future. I kind yeah. of did go into it feeling that way because I know someone who scored really highly on it, and that has helped him a lot, and I thought Except that if I did really well it... still didn't necessarily help him get into some of the schools yes, he wished it. Yes, but I thought that it would carry a lot of weight, so I actually was like... You know, really, really hoping to do well. I knew I probably wasn't going to score quite so highly, but I thought I should try, and I thought that it would carry some weight. Well, it can if you do well, but I'm saying it, it only carries positive weight. Yeah. It doesn't carry, and the lack of that negative weights, you know, not yeah. finishing a single problem, handing it in blank would not put a black mark on your future math career. That's true. And I think that that, that, is, that is one big positive about it. And there's, there's a couple other math uh, competition exams like that. The International Math Olympiad is one of them. And, there, and that's true in some other areas. And I think that that kind of examination is useful. And now, uh, Lee and I have both shared a couple of exams. Actually, Cody, you're the only one who hasn't. You got an exam horror story for us? Um, well, I, you know, I did... I did at one time, uh, this was a couple semesters ago, I took an abstract algebra exam, sat for the full two hours, and uh, then immediately went upstairs to take a probability theory exam. What a disaster. What a disaster. (laughs) Just, it was bad. I felt, I just, I got to a certain point, and I was just, I I knew I wasn't going to do any better, and I turned in, and I felt sick. And yep. right after that, did you go uh, score some junk on the street corner, <laughs> spend break and rehab, and then uh, well, you know come what? back well, all the better? I, I had a great professor, and she, she, her policy had been when – because people were doing pretty bad on the, uh, the regular semester It's test. the same one that I had yeah. for probability, and just a different probability she, theory. She said, look, if you do good on the final, I'll forget about all your bad test scores because that's cumulative. And fortunately, that worked in reverse. Yeah, if, if I did, you did well on I did well else. on all the – I did, got A's on all my exams. I did poorly on that last exam, and it, it – And, I, and I, sometimes it doesn't work in reverse. And yeah, the I think, final's worth a lot. 
Yeah, I, I think that's another thing that I think that, well, I mean, not necessarily for the classes that say Brandon and I teach. There's a reason we're kept on a leash. And I, I think that's, I mean, our lack of experience in teaching does mean that we probably should not have as much leeway. But I do feel that full professors, especially when it's teaching three, four, six, and 700 level classes, should recognize that, that they do have leeway. Look at this thing. I mean, this person got an A on like the first exam or something, or got an A on every single homework, did almost perfect on every homework. Uh, but and it, it and their say their solutions were radically different than everyone else. So it's obvious that they were did well in the homework and did well in the homework by themselves. But they bombed both exams. I think well after the first one, they sh- I feel that they should probably talk to them and see if they have test taking issues. But even if they don't, I think that 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 I mean maybe not an A. But I think that an A on every single homework assignment, and it's clear that they were doing it themselves, and they show up in class, and they show that they understand it in class, they answer questions in class, that that should at least deserve a B in these upper-level classes. Yeah. And because what they might just be bad test takers. Or if you did well on the first couple exams, or the, the first exam you got an A in, you got A's and B's on all the homework, and then you just bombed that last exam, that doesn't make any sense. Maybe maybe not an A or you know maybe an A minus instead of I mean, an A. There's got to be some kind of it's got to bring it down a bit. You got to distinguish between the hot, the A's and someone who did well in yeah. everything yeah. versus yeah. someone. But yeah. still, I don't think that. I mean, say they really bombed it. Say they got an F. Say like what I did in probability theory, probably got twenty percent on that final. Let me, I will tell you. Let me. And t- I actually have a story after this. Yeah, if, I'll tell you. If my professor gives that full weight of what she said in the beginning of class that it will be, I will fail the class. On that one thing where I'd been, you know, at least okay on everything else. And I don't, I don't believe that that will happen uh, just because I looked at it and it was just one of those things like my brain didn't work. I looked at it, it didn't work. And as you said, it worked for you as well in your class. And, yeah, I mean, it, and I it, think that that's the right thing to do. I think you need to recognize when a student actually knows it and just screwed up an exam. Yeah. Yeah, I did actually bring my my grade down from an A to an A minus, but yeah, I'm not complaining at all. <laughs> I, yeah, at all. That happened. It happened with me too. It was Diffy Q when I was taking that, and A's. Literally, I averaged about a 98 on every exam, hundreds on all the quizzes, homeworks, totally easy, easy. I missed one problem on the final exam, and it dropped me from an A to an A minus. That's ridiculous. Wow. That One is problem. absolutely ridiculous. One wow. problem dropped me. I could. It was because it was a huge. It was a. It wasn't even that. It wasn't like a huge. You know, multi-step problem. It was one problem that had too many points distributed to it compared to the rest of the exam. Wow. And it was the. It was one of the things that we barely touched on in class, which shouldn't have been weighted that much. I think of it as you put all your eggs in one basket with that one. Yeah. So I got. I got a. All right. Remember I said nineties. 98 average for the exams. I got a 67. A 67 for, on the final. And you only missed one problem? So that it one was, problem no, was, was worth well, no, a no, third it was like of a your... Five, it was a five-point question. It was a five... No, I'm sorry. No, no, not five points. It was a five-question one. And he and distributed... So, five-question exam. He distributed it not very well at all. Wow. That is, wow. That is horrible. And that's... Yeah. Uh, it's I mean, it was an A minus, so I mean, I, I, it's okay. But uh, yeah, but I, in undergrad, the point, the point is we're all used to that. not not getting A's. I mean, 
Well, and you, yeah, and we're just used. To, at least when I was an undergrad, if I wouldn't have gotten an A in a class in a math class, I would have freaked out. Well, yeah, <laughs> you, you, should, you should. My professors always. How like, many holes in the wall did you punch, Brandon? My professors were obsessed. Really like, small holes because like, your fists are very similar to. They your were heights. telling me they're like oh. a ninety-four is okay. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm like, it has to be a ninety-five or higher. I'm like, what? I missed like. I missed a couple points here and there. I'm like, are you serious? I'm thinking to myself, oh my God. It's, but I'm like, it's not a 95. Like, it's an A. I'm like, it doesn't matter. if it, Those points add okay, up. Okay, I didn't freak out that much. I just needed an A. <laughs> those points add up. So if you miss, if it's not a 95, you know, those points keep adding up and so it keeps dragging you down little by little. So you get an A minus. And then I'm so, I just, I'm a, when it comes to math, I, I get very crazy. Yeah. Well, math? <laughs> Everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thank I get you. crazier with math. Oh, okay. Hmm. Man, I didn't think that was possible. Seeing oh, this guy no, you freak out on Star Wars Galaxies. <laughs> I mean, you haven't seen anything yet. I want to talk a little bit um, about something else. This, I'm, I'm sorry to both Lee and Cody. This part's going to uh, not include you guys quite as much. But and this is just as, I mean, it's you got Cody, you're uh, a month or so from this point. Well, about two months, because there'll be a month into your next semester that this will matter to you. And Lee, you're about a year and a half away from this point. Yeah. Uh, and that's <coughs> that's writing exams. I mean, it, I, I was just talking about, I have been talking this whole time about how I don't really feel that exams are a very good measure of that. But when I teach a class, exams are still, well, I'm forced to have the final be 30%. And then the rest of it is... I'm, 50% of the rest of the grade, so like 80% of the grade or 75% of the grade or whatever it ends up being. I think last time it was 75% of the grade was determined by exams. And so when, I don't know about when you write an exam, but when I write an exam, it's it's really hard to choose. It is. Because like, you, you need to choose the most important things, but you need to choose everything because there's a cumulative final coming up that that has to test everything. So you want them to see every type of question on an exam so that they know how to, so that they at least get a feel of how to approach the style of question when it's put in front of them in a timed situation. You don't want them to have never seen a question, but then I also sense I don't really feel, I don't want the questions to be too hard, uh, but they have to be hard enough that it's not just the answers given to them. It's so, it's not an easy thing to write an exam. One thing about the, uh, the finals here, I know we have the departmental finals and yes. we have some that don't. So it's hard to cover everything. I mean, for me, for example, we don't have a department final in my course. But I, we do have a coordinator, and the actual, there's, we get an email saying that these certain types of problems have to be on the exam. Now, this is a big problem with us because there's some things that we may not have covered. Like, for example, they refer to real numbers, what a real number is in Math 120. But we don't cover that in the course. That's not covered. So I don't believe they should be expected to know that. As well as the, some of the problems were me specifically meant to throw the students off. Which I don't think, it, the point is not to confuse them, is to see how, they're, how well they do it. And if you're doing a problem that's totally ass backwards compared to what you would normally do something, it's stupid. It's stupid. And when I, my exam philosophy is that the exam doesn't show how well you understand the material. I, th I like to curve. I know some people don't curve. But I believe the effort and the fact that you tried every problem counts for something. Because in mathematics, it's the effort that really counts more. 
because over time you eventually will get the problem. If you keep sticking at it, someone eventually is going to get it. So you're either going to, I mean, people do it all the time. So I, I don't think it's, I like to give partial credit for, for attempting as long as they're coming up with something. I, in my grading, uh, I give a huge amount of partial credit in my grading because I'm if they you know get some numbers right, if, but if they show that they understand the concept, that's what I'm worried about, uh, and that's also why I tell them don't simplify. I don't need you to simplify <laughs> yeah. anything. You simplify things every time you simplify something, you're gonna screw up. That's true. It's very yeah. Even, even leave now. a fraction. Leave <laughs> it as an ugly yeah. fraction. It's yeah. better that way. Incredibly ugly. And don't switch to decimals oh. ever. I hate that. God. Decimal, why do we I have decimal them, numbers? I tell, I tell them, leave them in, leave it in terms of pi. So they decide to expand. I'm like, thank you. Now <laughs> yeah, I have to plug it in and find out what 743 pi is. <laughs> I'm sorry. Leave it like that. <laughs> well, I, I think that a great example of that sort, that type, sort of type of question is when you do do anything with matrices. Oh, particularly yes. row operations because you can make a simple arithmetic error one do, plus two oh, equals yeah. four and I, <laughs> that error propagates all yeah. down and some professors will say oh you got it wrong zero points other, profe other professors will say you made an arithmetic error but you followed the 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 row operations right to get your identity matrix or whatever and so i'll give you i'll take off just five points out of 20 yeah. Yeah. or when, whatever uh, when I do it, because I, I do, uh, I teach 132, so I do do systems of linear equation stuff as well as <coughs> matrix inverses. Uh, I tend to take off if, uh, I, have, I have a different, sort of different measures. Uh, if it's one where there never needs to be a fraction, like there's never, a fraction just doesn't show up. Everything, you can keep everything as integers easily. Then if they make an arithmetic mistake, that's half off. Oh, okay. As long as they show that they understand the concept. But if it's one where there's fractions, and the fractions get kind of ugly, and they at least get halfway through it to the point where fractions are, and up to that point they're right, but then when the fractions get involved, they screw up. Then I only take about a third of the points off. Yeah, it's so much easier to make an I arithmetic error with matrices with fractions. When I, yeah. matrices. when I do matrix stuff by hand, some of those things, I, so I just make a stupid mistake. Like, I'll forget to put a negative. I'll forget to switch something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it messes... I mean, this happens to me quite a bit sometimes. I'll, I'll make <laughs> stupid mistakes like that. Just, like, a Matrices are pretty much the only place in math that I don't make stupid mistakes. <laughs> Hey, I've I've taken so many matrix classes and I've done so much with matrices now that I don't make mistakes in matrices. Make them everywhere else, everywhere else, but not matrices. Matrices, I'm okay with. That was like the last. I love it. I love it when people come to the tutoring clinic needing help with matrices because like they're they're my favorite thing now. Ever since, well, before matrix theory, <laughs> uh, matrix theory wasn't so good, but but matrices are good. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy. <laughs> I love working with matrices. Mm. <laughs> I like when I like applications to make with matrices. Those Jacobians, matrices, matrices in and of themselves don't really excite me that much. But <laughs> they're not titillating. No, but so, things like, for example, Markov chains. Those are cool. So I mean, I like applications more from the actual matrices. <laughs> I think Sam is driving with his I microphone right now. I think we're going to have to mute I him. I think he broke There's got to be microphone. some way to mute him. Oh, man. Don't you dare <laughs> mute me. Oh, 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 it's just me and Cody now because he's the only one who did not think that that was a good idea. <laughs> I, 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 think, I, think, I think driving driving with the, the, the microphone cover there Pop is... Filter. Yeah, that's... See, I wish I could... I wish I, <laughs> 
would have come up with that myself, but uh, I heard someone, uh, a comedian, was doing it in another podcast that I listened to. What did you say it was? What'd pop you say? It's I a pop paying. filter. Okay, I wasn't paying attention. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And on that point, I think, you know, this is pretty good. Uh, we stayed really on topic. Yeah, it was kind of weird. How well, yeah. I'm, sorry. I'm still angry about the Star Wars thing. <sighs> Listen. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah. Me- you know, you know, know what the, you know what the issue the issue with this whole thing is. There's not enough Star Wars. Uh, no, just There's that. too much Star Wars. The Star no uh, such what thing. Were, <laughs> what were we talking about on that day? Um, do you, I don't remember. I don't remember at all. Do you remember? No, I. I Neither of us remember what the last podcast was. was about. That was me, you, Nathan, and Chris. Nathan and Chris. <laughs> Chris. It was a good time. It was. It was. It was a. It was a topic. Yeah, there there was a topic. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna. That's gonna. No, that one is already out. Okay. Oh, dimension. 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 We that's right. We were talking about, about dimension. dimension. And Star Wars Ooh. came up. And I. Yeah, hate Star and Wars. then you. And then okay, Star not Trek not only not only did she disparage Star Wars, she said Star Wars when she meant Star Trek. No, Nathan did it. I just agreed. That's that is. Oh yeah, you agreed. Me. Yeah. No. No. Nathan crap. did it. And yeah, so that's because it's blasphemy towards that's because the awesome the, name of Star Trek. That's because the official, that's right, the official star or sci-fi, all right, uh, action adventure, uh, action adventure, magnum opus <laughs> of combinations and permutations is Star Wars. I agree with the official. I would not beard. be on here if it was Star Trek. I do Trek. not agree with the official sci-fi action magnum adventure opus? magnum opus. <laughs> Well, the tough beer luck. I'm with. Yeah, well, <laughs> thank you. I mean, it it was kind of tough because we actually, before you were ever on, did have a beardsman on here, who has an amazing beard, but he has the official salt and pepper beard. What? Combinations salt and pepper beard? I I interviewed my father way back. Oh, when, oh, okay, okay. And that man, that man's beard is really good, <laughs> but I don't get to see it as often. Does he? Do you get a lot of his hand-me-down shirts? <laughs> actually, well, a, he, actually, I, mean, I do. Uh, one of my flannels that I own is one of my father's. So he old is flannels. a lumberjack then. No, my father uh, is a farmer. Can, um, well, that's that's close. It's halfway yeah. there. And a baker, a substitute teacher, a former full-time teacher, uh, a butcher, and a candlestick maker. No, he chops down the trees of ignorance <laughs> as a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> for for Brandon Metz, Cody Palmer, Leanne Duncan, I am Samuel Hanson, and I can't beat what was just said. <laughs> well, that is it for another episode of Combinations and Permutations. As always, the music on today's episode was brought to you by SP12. If you want to find out more about their music, please go to opsounds.org and check them out. Now, if you want to get a hold of me and talk about what I said on this podcast, talk about what somebody else said, or in general, just want to say hello, please email me at samuel at acmescience.com. And you can also go to the blog at acmescience.com so that you can, you know, leave a comment on the posts that have a bunch of pictures and links about the stuff that we talked about on this episode. Or you can go into our forum and be the second person other than me to ever actually leave something there please really i'd love to get a 
nice and active forum up. I'd love to see some conversations between mathematicians or people interested in math or just people interested in what we do on there because really that would be great. So go check out acmescience.com and also remember that this podcast and everything on the blog is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license. That's right. Creative Commons. Go support them. They have a pledge drive right now. Thanks for listening.